0: The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rock Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. This is Amanda LaPlan and you're listening to Get Real to Heal on KWRH 92.9 FM. Ah, oh, I am so excited to have in the chair across from me one of my favorite physicians, one of my favorite people. I think, in the world. <laughs> Dr. Kaylee
1: Betwell lenars welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. That mutual affection has has pulled me closer and closer. So in the studio we are. I
0: love it. I love it. So
1: more on that
0: in a moment. But uh, So Dr. Batwell is with Catalyst Pain Management and Restorative Treatment Center in St. Louis, Missouri. She's a graduate of St. Louis University School of Medicine and completed her specialty fellowship at the world-renowned Cleveland Clinic. She has completed four board certifications, including anesthesiology and pain medicine. She is a multi-year St. Louis Magazine's peer-chosen top docs, um, and she is the president of Missouri Society for Interventional Pain Physicians 2016 to the present, and she has received the Rising Star Award from the American Society for Interventional Pain Physicians 2018. So to say that this is an accomplished woman sitting across from me would be a (laughs) very big understatement, and she has recently, um, here in the last couple of years, added uh, integrated and functional medicine to her her many tools, and I'm so excited to have a conversation with you about this today. Thank
1: you. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and I might as well just—I actually I can't wait to say I get to work with her. Yeah. <laughs> We're working together now. (laughs) I am so over the moon about this. I can't believe it. I got to go into the office yesterday and we we saw a patient together and it was just
1: like, I can't, it's like a dream come true. I'm so excited. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because I think, you know, being this excited about something that's this big. Is actually a rare opportunity. I think it's even more rare for it to be so reciprocated, so so in line with uh, what what we're thinking and what our goals, and for a partnership to come together that's around that type of affinity for what we do, both personally and also professionally, and offer that to other people. So I'm I'm just happy to know that I'm not the only one up there <laughs> feeling that way. It's terrific. Oh, so, yeah,
0: no, it's it's amazing. And and so okay, I want to talk. We've got so many things that I want to talk about today with you. I'm so excited, right. um, but. So starting with, you know, you, you are a specialist in pain management and treatment, right? And, um, you know, I know that you're an athlete, you're a mom, you're a very driven professional, you know, how do those facets of your personality and yourself affect how you interact with and
1: treat your patients? Well, thank you for all of that. Uh, an athlete, that may be a little bit of an oversight. Well, no. I mean, you are a five-time
0: <laughs> equestrian na- national champion. Is that not
1: true? Yes. Okay, okay that, well. That, is, is that not true? Athlete, Ye- check. Yes, Judge LaPlante, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. Uh, and, and we still do enjoy equestrian sports and other things, too. And my Peloton is the little love of my life at the moment, other than the kids, to speak to the mothering part and the physician part. Uh, as far as how it affects the way I practice medicine, it was what actually caused a complete, not just an inflection point, like a change in the road. It was a complete 180 to 360 from where I was before. Although I still embrace everything that I really loved about what was in the toolbox before making the change, I actually had to build an entirely new practice from the ground up for it to really, really feel um, you know, from the from the floor to the ceiling like what I was trying to build. The energy that needed to be there, even the artwork in the in the um, office, which you've seen now, represents a, a, both a, a scientific rigor, all the way to a playfulness, a level levity that I find really helps engage patients and let them know that we see them for exactly who they are, and and love whatever. Challenge they bring to us, and we tell the patients, for example, you you are not a problem patient, you are a success waiting to happen. We just have to figure out what your goals are, what your problems are, and then we you know grab the tools that match that. And uh, I I love what you opened with, which is this that toolkit is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and even though we're so particular about what we source to put in that toolkit there are still so many great tools in there and more great tools all the time. It just takes a curiosity and a commitment to the benefit of the patients. and and we're living our brand, you too, which is how this partnership has formed. and and realizing what it is that helps us, helps them, and the more powerful and pleasant even, you know, uh, what a great experience we can create, the bigger of an opportunity we have to impact them on a deeper level. So uh, without getting into the kind of the science of you know how does it change what we do, it has deepened the science. Ten miles deep, but it's also changed sort of the the flavor with which you know we um, we approach those patients. And I describe it a lot of times as if we were in actually in a sound studio like this one. And you know the whole idea is to be pleasant to the ear in a way, right? So you talk to a patient about you know how do you want the song of your life to sound? And then looking at this you know equalizer board, we has got the bass and the treble and you know the volumes. And really it's just playing with all of it until you get a sound that's so resonant for that patient. And again, the song of their life, maybe for the first time ever, sounds so in alignment with their vibration. And not to get too woo-woo, we talk about that too, right? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, just, just on that level to make sure that whatever was dissonant, whatever just didn't sound right, or like, oh, oh you know, eliminating that and then even going beyond something that you can listen to as elevator music right? to instead being something that you that you love listening again to the sound of your own life. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. You know
0: what? I'm not even going to ask questions. Just keep talking. <laughs> Just talk. I just want to listen. <laughs> no, it's great. Well, and, and I wish no, my husband felt that way. Uh, well, well <laughs> I mean, all of our husbands, I'm sure. Yeah, it, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. speaking to me. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, okay, so I want to go back. You said, you know, we, we live our, our message, right? Yes. And, and you have lived through a very painful, literally, experience um, that took you, as you said, from 60 to zero.
1: Yeah, 600 to zero, if I'm going to be, you know, really if honest. I'm really going to own it, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went from being in the best shape of my life at 32 years old, that was even pre-babies, pre-marriage, pre-everything, so pretty much what I, what I thought about in the world, what I cared about in the world were my patients and probably my physical, um, I would like to say my physical well-being, but in retrospect, I can't say that honestly. I was doing what I thought I needed to do to to be fit to feel fit, uh, a lot like overtraining, working out too hard, probably doing taking every shortcut I could find to uh, remaining at the weight or the body composition that I wanted to be. Not that I wasn't putting in the work, I just don't think that I was putting in the intellectual aspect of that, having really done my research about what uh, really was right for my body. And um, you know, I, I again I have to confess that my My interest in doing just that for my patients now is a reflection of me having figured out that the only way out of the pickle I put myself in, that corner I painted myself into, was to realize that there are no no shortcuts. And it doesn't have to, it's not simple, but it can be easy, especially when you know what you're looking for, and especially if you're partnering with someone whose passion is helping you figure you out. So that's I think has been the, the evolution, and what catalysts and even our team members uh, have been have been selected to cast our crew. Yeah. It, okay. And and I want to ask. So you know, on your website,
0: there is a quote and it says, "Your body should feel like a blessing, not a burden." Right. When you were down in in that moment, right, and you were dealing with that extraordinary pain and trying to figure your way through this, was there a moment when you felt
1: that way? Not only did I feel like my body was a burden, I got to the point that I see in the eyes and in the physiology and the bodies of my patients where they wonder if this is how it's always going to be. Not just how bad is it now, It's how unpredictable is this going to be? Is this only going to get worse? Is this my life forever? And that is something that even though I had struggled with back pain from junior high, through college, medical school, I would always have episodes. Everybody knew that I had a bad back, but it would be horses and then not, and then working out and then not. And I would always kind of come back around to feeling like I was strong enough to do what I wanted to do. But and so I never lost faith that I was going to be able to get back into that lane. But the, but uh, 2011 was the year when I really had to wonder: Is this it? Is this when that thing has happened that can't be undone? Is this when I have to have the surgery that can never be, never a part of my history again? And that's what I see in the eyes of the patient so often too. Uh, so most certainly, yes, you get to the point where you just. All of a sudden you wonder if you're really going to have to reframe the boundaries of your future life forever and my goal in when i talk about gaining power over pain you know where i want to be your trusted source for the power to pop you know to have that power over pain and it may not be that you're ever perfect again i'm not perfect now but to really know that you live in a lane of life that is as wide as can possibly still be available to you by understanding your body, knowing what works for you and doesn't. Um, We'll probably talk a little bit later, I think, about kind of a test don't guess way of doing things that just creates the straightest path. Because if you're struggling with pain, your energy is already preoccupied with running those programs. And I talk to my patients about, um, you know, pain is like a program on your phone. So let's say that you loaded an app on your phone. And ever since you loaded it, it's been nothing but a problem. And so you don't use it anymore, but you also can't get it off your phone. And so it drains your battery, right? You're having to recharge all the time. And then your phone is also never able to fully charge up. So you're constantly recharging, you constantly feel like you don't have the energy that you need to run the other programs of your life and you just top out at this speed that's so much so far so much far short of the speed you feel like you should be able to go. And so people in pain, especially chronic pain are already dealing with that. And so all the more important to have someone else bring in their energy, be it healing energy or scientific energy, medical energy, to help support you in that way until all of a sudden you feel like those batteries are just a little easier to charge and suddenly your top speed is a little higher than it was before. And that's really when we see those those gorgeous glimmers of uh, people's lives expanding again and then starting to get out of survival mode and back into thrive mode. They start coming in far less concerned about how to get from the car to their seat at work. And now they're, um, you know, talking about the kind of, even if they're still taking a cushion to sit on the bleachers to watch their, you know, grandkids you know play the game, they're there. And even that's the next step. So, you know, being functionally focused for us uh, has has led to a, a lens that we look through that thinks of those things as, as successes and building on those.
0: When was the moment in your practice that you knew that you wanted to go more functional or integrative with this approach?
1: Oh, am I the moment where I, I might have been brave, but I could have also been brain dead? Yeah, like, yeah sure, <laughs> it's yeah, a thin, it's a thin line. <laughs> you, you, yeah, <laughs> there,
0: there are a lot of practitioners that I talk with that they go, oh, I kind of had to sit back and scratch my head for a second and go, okay, really? But, am I, but, but yes, but it, it grabs you, right? And mm-hmm. suddenly you, you see the world
1: through a different lens. Yeah. You know, what were some of those pivotal moments for you? The biggest one for me was in 2017. And so after my injury in 2011, I had kind of recovered steadily. Gotten, gotten smarter, gotten wiser, gotten a little more careful, but um, but also learned more about how to push myself from the a thera- therapeutic standpoint. But in August of two thousand seventeen, I went to JJ Virgin's uh, Mindshare Summit in San Diego, and I remember calling my my husband back, and it was this intrepidation. I didn't know if I was excited or terrified, and I called him and I said, "Chris, I found my people." Like, I, I, whatever piece of stardust, you know, we all fell from, I found the ones that are from my home planet. (laughs) That's the only way I could describe it. And whether that's completely insane or, or if heretofore discovered to be completely true, that's how I felt. And the discussions that they were having sounded so much more like the discussions I had started evolving to have with my patients, but I'd never seen the model. So everything was just so siloed, and I was so proud to be a specialist and a specialist from Cleveland Clinic. And I still feel that way. I still embrace those things entirely, but to have widened that conversation and and as you and I have spoken about, moving from having happy patients to having healthy patients. Happy, healthy patients like that's got, that's got some meat on its bones, right? So when we went to this Mindshare Summit, and there's everything from chiropractic care to people who practice Ayurvedic medicine, which I had never heard of before. Sounds crazy to some people, but it's just, um, but th- that's where we are, right? So like, you can't have a conversation with someone about someone you don't know anything about. So it just, and naturopaths embracing, we were talking about um, uh uh, essential oils earlier and I used to just think that that was complete poppycock right that yes <laughs> yes we were I'm wearing some right now
0: by the way if you're listening on air you can pop on to facebook.com slash get real to heal and catch the facebook live so that you can see dr. Kaylee and I in studio having this conversation smelling my wrist and enjoying this essential oils that that so, she shared with me so anyway, they don't have to just hear the you don't just have to hear me
1: you I can see me, what's me too. Going
0: on. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so okay, and and so say more about that. About the essential oils? essential oils. oils. Sure,
1: so as I was sharing the story with you, and this was another, when you asked about pivotal moments, I guess my mind does go to the big ones, like that event in San Diego, August of 2017. But this one, which has become a huge part of my life and a benefit to my patients, a benefit to my family and friends, was about essential oils. And I just had never really given it a second thought. And I'm incredibly anti-salesy. I do not like to feel like I'm selling someone anything. Ever, it feels icky to me. Uh, much to the chagrin of some of the people who are trying to help me in business, they're like, you know, you've got to. If your doors are closed, you're not helping anyone. They're like, how many people are you healing living under a bridge? <laughs> no. <Right>? So, <laughs> or, good point. Yeah. But so, um, so I just never given much weight to anything outside of the traditional Western medicine paradigm. So I was actually at a series of lectures. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. I love lectures. But I decided that I needed to use the restroom about the time I looked on the agenda, and it said that the next talk up was about essential oils. So I was like, well, I don't need to know that, because they're just going to be trying to sell me something. But it was Dr. Marisa Snyder, S-N-I-D-E-R, and uh, she is a um, a certified um uh, she does a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And her specialty is essential oils, everything from moderating women's hormones to managing uh, chronic pain. And uh, as I was sharing with you, I was literally like letting the door hit me on the way out when this, you know essential oil talk turned into a neurological expertise exhibition. And I was absolutely blown away with the level of intellect that she demonstrated and the amount of research that she had done to really know her stuff and present it in front of a room full of highly educated, engaged healthcare professionals. And she was elegant and informed and uh, had an enthusiasm for what she did that was captivating, but really, really had the depth to it that I needed to feel like it was at least worth more of my attention. So fast forward, she has written New York Times selling, uh, best-selling books on the subject. I, I gift the, her books to my patients, to my family, to my friends. Um, and allowing them to teach uh, themselves, or, or I'm happy to work with them too, about this thing that used to be I felt so fringe. And instead, you know, if everyone knows that that um, perfumes are a billion dollar business, scented candles, billion dollar business, Bed Bath and Beyond, Bath and Body Works. It's all aromatherapy, and it's because it it sinks into one of the most primal spaces in our brain. That tells us whether we're energized, or it tells us whether we're soothed, or you know, you think about the difference between lavender and chamomile, and on one end eucalyptus, and on the other is you know the citruses and the and the mints that are invigorating. Everyone kind of knows that, but I don't think that we always give it the weight that it deserves because it's kind of probably too natural. If, and what a silly thing to say, right? Because just because it's natural doesn't mean it's not powerful. And I love to use the example of like arsenic, for example. You know, like, oh, well, it's natural. It can't be harmful. It's just, it's just. Arsenic. Just arsenic. (laughs) And essential oils for me have fallen kind of squarely in that category. So it's not necessarily something that would be a part of every conversation I would have with a patient. If if they are not there, because I wasn't there, then we're not going to be talking about essential oils on day one. But I love that it's in that toolbox that we were talking about. And anytime it pops up naturally, I have something really important that I can share with them that, that can really be game changing for them in a certain way and that is easy to, to discuss from there. Well and, and sometimes it's those simple tools that can be really powerful. They're things that people
0: can really you know can use at home and, and can make part of their daily habits and their daily routine that can bring some value to them. And what I love about it though is that, you know, here I have this woman who is highly accomplished, well-studied, a scientist, and a phenomenal physician, and are looking at all of the modern science that we have available, right, and the wonderful, the procedures, the, you know, the pills, all the things that we have that we often need, right? But then also not devaluing the wisdom of ancient traditions like Ayurveda or essential oils, being open to the science around essential oils, something that's been used for thousands of years. And it makes me, you know, I feel like our ancestors, science is not new. The The way that we're able to do it and the depth at which we're able to study it and, and, um, and use and apply it, and you can articulate this, I'm sure, sure better than I can, um, is different. But, you know, many, many traditions have been around for a long time, finding ways to help people in meaningful ways with much simpler modalities. And, and it's good to be open to those as well, I feel.
1: Absolutely right. And I appreciate your placing value on that, too. I think that one of the traps we've kind of fallen into is sort of this mechanistic way of looking at things. And if you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't, quote, prove it, then it's not real. But what has happened time and time again, and to your point, nothing about science is new. It's only discovery that's new. Well put. So it's just finally understanding what was the magnetic part of that what was the chemical thing that was happening there what was the light infused you know initiation the catalyst right Uh, for for that chemistry equation and until we understood it we didn't know why the sky was blue we didn't know why it rained when it did and you know, and I kind of still love the ceremony of you know a rain dance, or you know people believing in in things and manifesting them, because so I think there's some value in those things too. But you're exactly right, needing something to be provable in one way doesn't mean that it is or is not real. You're talking about being woo woo, and I'm not super woo-woo at least I don't think I I am well and as but. as we said before though there's woo-woo
0: and then there's woo-hoo and, you know if something works for someone then who am I to poo-poo well it's oh, a woo-woo oh, you this know is getting bigger. if it's just if it's woo-hoo for them you know this poem is getting longer. I know, I know I feel very Susie <laughs> <Seussian> right now <laughs> I'll digress but but there is something Who to that. There are so right? many things that rhymed with poo There's so many, so many. <laughs> that it. I'm going poo-poo. home. I'm right. Yes, poo poo. <laughs> yes, we've talked about poo poo on this show many times as well, in many forms. Oh, okay. I'm going to pull back on that, but
1: there's, I'll get you into the weeds real quick. Yeah. I, I should have warned you about That's that. That's okay. <laughs> I, I love
0: a good rabbit hole. I love a good rabbit hole. Good. I'm just off. Yeah, I'll go chasing into the weeds anytime too. <laughs> um, but you know, yes, there, there's 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 biology to believe.
1: Most certainly. Most certainly,
0: yeah. All right, so let's talk about tests. Don't guess. I, by the way, I have the good fortune of of keeping you for an extra episode today. I'm so excited. So if you're if you're listening on the air, um, we're we're going to be going off at our usual time, but you'll be able to catch the episode next week with Dr. Kaylee. This next episode. In the meanwhile, if you just can't wait to listen to her and you need to hear her now, you can go to Facebook.com slash Get Real to Heal, and you can check her out for the next half hour after the show. I mean, isn't that going to be everybody? I mean, it, it I, just mean, just I can't imagine everybody. why. I, I would listen to us all day. I think it's great, but <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're here. So, um, so, all right, we're going to talk about um, stem cells and PRP and some okay. really fascinating things. I'm so excited for you to share all of this, uh, this amazing regenerative medicine that you're doing. First, I want to talk about the experience that we've had recently in working with a client around some test results that she received. And, and I want to start with um, food sensitivity testing, something yes. that you're
1: using in your practice. And tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So food sensitivity testing has been one of my favorite things that we've, we've brought into the practice. And it is it is front and center. The reason we do that, so you, so you used the words that I like, too, is test, don't guess. So things like the elimination diet uh, have been incredibly value, valuable for patients in figuring out what was what I call your secret kryptonite. So discovering that something doesn't work for you that one would not have normally expected. So you know they're very common allergens, and even JJ Virgin, whom I spoke about earlier, has the seven most common. It's called the Virgin diet, where you eliminate her the seven most common food allergens. That's corn, soy, wheat, dairy, peanuts, sugar, sugar and substitutes, and eggs. And so while that's really a a great and easy way to eliminate the most common of things, you know, for example, when I tested Don't it, I discovered that I'm actually fine with all of those except egg whites. So literally all of it, but not even a specific part of one. And as, although I, I appreciate the elimination diet, and that's really a great place to start because it's seven things. And if you know where they are and or you know where they're hidden, you can do a pretty good job of eliminating them. And even whatever proportion of your bloating, uh, you know, bowel discomfort, lack of energy, brain fog resolves with having done that already tells you that you've moved the needle in the right direction. So we'll, we'll take it. The problem with elimination diets is several fold though. The first is that none of us eat things in isolation. I mean, I'm not going to eat 3 days worth of nothing but green beans from the south side of the hill that was only raised in winter on, in South Dakota to discover that, you know, that soil quality was right for me, that there was no glyphosate, you know, and then after those 3 days I'm going to have 3 days of, you know, you get the point, right? And no one does that. And then the other problem is that if even if we're eating things and we're being really, really careful, Many times the actual symptoms of a food intolerance don't manifest until 24 to 48 to 72 hours afterwards. And then unlike, you know, the morning after a hard night of drinking, which I've never done. No, we've never done that. Never, never, ever. And you're pretty sure the next morning that you know what you did wrong. So... And so that's not how we eat. So it makes it nearly impossible to really, really, really clearly identify what foods do and do not work for you. And while a lot of people want to be, um, can be very um, apprehensive of testing because they don't want things they like taken away, the most important thing that I've seen in food testing is how much it gives you back because it's very, very specific about what doesn't work for you. And then you're not eliminating things that you actually don't have to get rid of, because those are actually fine for you, even if they're not fine for a lot of other people. Uh, I love that. I'm going to press mm-hmm.
0: pause on this conversation, because we do have to wrap up today's episode that is on air right now, live on KWRH 92.9 FM. We have been talking with Dr. Kaylee butwell Lenars of Catalyst Pain Management Restorative Treatment Center and you can find them online at CatalystMD.com. This is Amanda LaPlante You've been listening to Get Real to Heal Reach out to me online at AmandaLaPlante.com I would love to help you on your health journey Make it a great day